Hello, good morning, good afternoon to everyone tuning in to the show once again. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson. As you all know by now, I always get the last word. And just to give y'all some news straight up up front, the Jazz and the Clippers game is still currently going on as we speak. I'm recording this a bit late. I just decided to do it because this honestly has not been close at all. The Clippers are currently up 21 points right now. They're absolutely thraxing the Jazz. And since I'm on the topic, I might as well speak on about that just briefly. I think it is being seen and shown that, just to be quite frank with you all, that the Clippers' talent is just a bit too much for the Jazz. As I thought at first, you know, Rudy Gobert was going to be the defensive anchor and the difference maker in this series. But these past two games... Got to give Ty Lue his credit when it's due, man. I've been real critical of him and skeptical of him as a coach, but made a small ball adjustment, spread the floor, get more shots up. It's been working. I got to give him that. So now he's essentially eliminated Rudy Gobert as being that X factor in the series, and now it's up to Quinn Snyder and the Jazz to make another move to see if they could get back into this series competitively because right now it's not looking good at all. I mean, it's it's just not looking good, man. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has 30 points right now, but outside of him, no one is really making an impact on the offensive end. Joe Ingles is the next Howard 12, and it's just, we need more. And this is where Mike Conley is being missed. He's, outside of Donovan Mitchell, he's the one other guy who could actually create for himself and get others involved as well. I think Bogdanovich can do this to an extent, but I don't think he's as good as a shot creator as you would like him to be with his skill set because he, he's pretty solid on the dribble. He can shoot, of course, and he can drive when he needs to, but his handle handling isn't as strong as you would like it to be with a person that has the game he has. You would, you would like for him to be a little bit more... I, what's the word I'm looking for? You would, you would like him to be a little bit more pinpoint with his handles because if he was, his game would significantly expand. But his German skills just simply isn't up there. But with that being said, guys, get off into the, the next game that happened earlier today, and that was the Hawks against the Sixers. And the Sixers, man, they honestly let this game get away from them. It was up 18 at one point before the half. The Hawks went on a huge run that got them back into the game in the second quarter, ultimately took the lead. They ultimately won this game 103 to 100. And Joel Embiid, love Joel Embiid. I think Joel is the best center in the league. I like I've said this multiple times, I need a center who's a rim protector. That's the biggest reason why I don't think Nikola Jokic is better than him. I, it doesn't make sense for me to have a seven-footer on my team to not be able to protect my rim and be attacked on a consistent basis. To me, that's that's just not me personally. Me personally, that's not what I want out of my center. I love the fact that he's a playmaker at the center position, but... You still gotta be able to place. You still gotta be able to take the rim, man. That's just that's just like how I like the centers that I would like to have on my team. I mean, even undersized centers like guys like Bam Adebayo are able to do that. But 
He can't. But long story short, Joel and B played absolutely horrific the second second half. Played terrible. Finished the game over twelve, shooting from the field. His only three points in the second half came from the free throw line. He looked. I know a lot of guys want to blame it on the injury and you know the, the partially torn meniscus tear. I'm 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 not blame I'm not blaming it on this injury. Okay, I'm gonna just let me read you all out his numbers since he's came back from his injury. Right. So the previous game before this, he finished with twenty seven nine eight three blocks and a steal. So twenty seven points, nine rebounds, eight assists, three blocks. This that was his stat line. Played thirty three minutes. So good. Seven fourteen soon. He played good. Now. Let's go to his first game. The first game, 40 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, well, today's a new day. You know, he's clearly out of sync. Something's clearly bothering him. I'm not discrediting any of that. I'm not saying that that may not be the case. He did go back to the locker room. He did get looked at. But he came back out and played. If you're going to play, you need to perform. Him finishing... With six, 17 points, excuse me, on the night is inexcusable. He literally, guys, he literally went 4 for 20 in the game. 0 for 12 in the second half. That's that's not what MVP caliber players do. That's not what a player of his caliber and talent should be putting up as, as a stat line, as his field goal percentage, especially when he's a guy that works inside for Primarily, he this game, his biggest issue was that he settled for too many jumpers. That was his biggest issue. And when he did get to the rim, he missed point-blank layoffs. Like, for perfect examples, this was the last shot of tip he took that could have gotten him the lead late in the game. He he missed the point-blank layup. A layup he makes any other day, he he whiffed terribly. I'm talking about didn't touch the rim. He just it great it hit off the backboard. It was terrible. And don't tell me it's because of a torn meniscus or a slight meniscus tear. He's a seven-footer who's been killing Clint Capella throughout the series. Don't tell me it's because of meniscus tears. He simply did not have it today. And they need him to have it whenever they play because he is the the biggest matchup problem. I mean, Tobias Harris was it Tobias Harris again. He had a good game. He's been terrific throughout the series, throughout the playoffs at that. Seth Curry, real good game. 17.17 for shooting, 3 for 6 from 3. That's fantastic. You can't get even more efficient than that. They have to be able to close this game and win this game, especially when they were up by 18 points. That are what That is what championship teams do. You don't lose the games you're supposed to win. You don't. Maybe, yeah, you can get away with that in the regular season, but no, you can't get away with that in the playoffs because now you give a young Hawks team the confidence that you know we could get back in this series and we could actually win this. They would have ended this here. The series would have been over the next time they played. They would have struck the Hawks in their hearts. They would have been a dagger. That would have been it. But now, John Collins and company, John Collins, by the way, had a fantastic ending towards this game. He finished with... He only had 14 points, but man, he he came up huge in the second half, made a lot of big time plays and big time shots. John Collins and company, they get back into the series. Now, that being said, guys, simply put, I, I, I wanna I wanna speak on something that Colin Coward has spoken on before. 
I need to see more growth out of Ben Simmons, man. Like, to me, it bothers me that he's not even looking to shoot. And I'm a fan of Ben Simmons. I have no core or, you know, gripe against him or anything like that. It's nothing like that. It's nothing, you know, no animosity, anything. But it is a damn shame. Excuse my language. It is a damn shame that his game has not gotten better anyway since he's been in the league. He's been, guys, I, I want to put this in perspective. He's been in the league for five years now. Five years. It, it, it may not feel like it because he's only 24. He's still really, really young. He's been in the league for five years. What has improved about his game exactly? Nothing. There's not one thing in Ben Simmons' game that has asked and you could point out to and actually say, you know what? He has really gotten better at X, Y, Z. He hasn't at nothing. He hasn't gotten better at anything at all. And it's it's so frustrating because he's such a talented guy, man. And it kills me that he is so unable to develop at all in any way, shape, or form. And it's it's asinine, honestly, man, because there's so many guys in the league with his God-given ability, size, talent, quickness that would absolutely dominate the league. And he's just settling to be serviceable when he could be so much more. I mean, even a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, people say, oh, well, he needs to stop shooting so much. No, he doesn't. He needs to shoot in the games. So when it does come a time where he's actually fully confident and capable, teams will start to play it and respect it. Ben Simmons isn't even showing that he's confident in the shot himself. If you're not showing the, the willingness to actually take or attempt the shots, how do you ever expect to truly create space for yourself? I mean, it's to me, it's just it's just crazy because when you look at his game, he's still doing the same. I mean, he won't even attempt fourteen footers, man. I mean, that's <laughs> I just don't know what else to say about Ben Simmons. But I need to see my, if in order, for, and I said this before, in order for the Sixers to truly compete for a championship, and not only just compete, but win it all, they need, I mean, they need Ben Simmons to expand his game, man. I mean, you're not going to beat nobody at all when you're the primary ball handler and you can't even bring a perimeter threat. It's it's, it's not going to happen. This isn't the 80s or the, the 70s where you could get by with that because you're the best athlete on the floor. No, everyone is almost as good as an athlete as you. You have to be able to have some kind of threat or the willingness to show to do it. He doesn't even show that he's willing to take the shots, and that's the biggest problem. But let's get off into the other news, and let me get into the other the Eastern Conference matchup between the Brooklyn Nets and the... <clears throat> Milwaukee Bucks. And I just spoke on Giannis Antetokounmpo a little bit. They have tied the series of officially 2-2. You know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, both guys have been looking solid. 
Chris Middleton especially, especially after that horrific game two and game one he had. He, I mean, he was absolutely terrible. And Chris Middleton is my guy. I love Chris Middleton. I think he's extremely underrated. He's a guy that's underappreciated. And I absolutely love Drew Holiday. He's hasn't been playing as efficiently as I would like to see him play that I know he's capable of. But he is a guy that I think is by far and large one of the most underrated players in the league we have today, period, point blank. He's that good to me. I think he's a guy who's definitely more than capable of being a, a legitimate second scoring option on the team. I don't think he's good enough to be a first, but he is a guy that can take over a game when getting hot, when you need him to. He's a great two-way player. He just made an all-NBA defensive team, first team at that today. Him and Giannis Antetokounmpo, his teammate. I think he's a great all-around player. And honestly, it's just showing that they can win it all. And let me get off into the next team because this is the reason why I brought this up. The Nets season has ultimately turned into what the Clippers were last year. And it's not because they're falling under the pressure or they're unable to accomplish their goals because they're inadequate play. Simply put, they can't stay healthy. And that's what happens when you have guys like Kyrie Irving who missed multiple games for multiple different reasons. Not to say he didn't have reasonings, good reasonings for some cases he did, but others, it seemed just more of just like a personal choice and I do as I please, not what I'm supposed to. And James Harden, who missed time with a hamstring injury. I mean, Charles Barkley alluded, this, alluded to this. I believe he missed, I think it was 21 games, if I'm not mistaken. He missed 21 games. They still felt as if they rushed him back, and now he's tweaked that very same hamstring that gave him trouble through the season. That's what happens. I mean, you, you have to give your team time to be not only be healthy, but be willing to come in and put in the work together. Kyrie did not show that. James Harden did not do that. Now, maybe the trainers did tell him one thing and it was another. Who knows? I know that same thing happened to Kevin Durant at Golden State. It doesn't happen to plenty of athletes before. It happens. But with that being said, both guys are out game five. Now, with Kyrie and James Harden out, game five, this is going to be the game that shows us what really Kevin Durant is. Because the last time we seen him without a superstar or another one at that, didn't look good. Last game they lost, he didn't have a single point in the fourth quarter. When Steph Curry got hurt a few years back when he was with Golden State, the Warriors went on the worst losing streak in years, and he was the scorer and the number one option on that team when Steph Curry was out. So with all that being said, he has to show that he can actually pull off one of these games. He has to. If he can go out and win game five, he'll sign us to a lot of people. If he can't, at home, he loses. Hey, man, you are what we thought you are. Your over-glorified second scoring option. I seen a guy on TikTok earlier today who said that, and it was just so spot on, man, because when you think about it, you just got to really look back and think about it. When has Kevin Durant ever been the actual guy on his team? 
I know people are gonna bring up the final MVPs back to back, and I, I know I know the stats, I know what he won. But that culture was built already around Stephen Curry. He already was an established champion and unanimous MVP. He was already that. Clay Thompson, already one of the better two-way players in our league and one of the greatest three-point shooters ever. Jeremiah Green was already the emotional leader of that team. What, now, was is Jeremiah Green a great player? No. In fact, I think he's highly overrated. But you cannot deny his impact on the defensive end especially and as a playmaker for the Golden State Warriors. He's the best they have. That's just period point blank. The, all that was already established. Kev Durant just simply plugged himself into an already established good culture. That's all he did. He can sit there and say that he was the best player on the court and whatever the case may be. Yeah, maybe so. But best player doesn't mean that you're the best option. Best player doesn't mean that you are the most essential. Because the numbers, just like you can use the numbers and the stats for his case, you can use them against his case. The Warriors won more games with Stephen Curry than with Kevin Durant as their lead. That's It doesn't matter how you feel about that. That is facts. When KD was out versus Steph Curry being out, the Warriors had a better winning percentage. With vice versa, they had a worse winning percentage. That is the facts. You want to check them? Look them up. I'm telling you now. It's the facts. And on top of that, even with KD out, the Warriors still made it to the finals. Or am I missing something? Did they not? I mean, didn't they not sweep the Blazers to get to the finals that year when they lost to Toronto? Is that not what happened? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Now, with that being the case, this just goes back to my original point. The Nets, Kevin Durant, simply has to show he can go out and win this one of these games. Because I think Kyrie Irving is done. I don't, I don't think he's coming back. I, I think he's done. In all honesty, I thought he broke his ankle on the fall. It looked really bad. I hope he gets better soon. I hate to see injuries, but I, I truly believe he's done. James Harden, I think, can come back. He may, he's, he's already been ruled out game five, so that's, that's a no-go regardless. But if he comes back game six, they still have a fighter's chance because just at least one of these other guys to play along, KD and these other half-decent and good role players, they'll be fine. But if they can't get one of these guys back and KD fails to win at least one game, I mean, how, how do you not look at him as an overglorified second scoring option now? I mean, let's, let's, just, let's just put things in context. Right now, Kevin Durant is widely regarded to a lot of people as the best player in the league. Look at any best player in the league at any point of time and you tell me when they couldn't at least win a game before they had two other superstars. I mean, just look at it. LeBron, oh, he was he was in the finals. You want to talk about Tim Duncan? Oh, this he was the the, the Spurs organization. Kobe, Kobe won a, a finals here and there. He won the games at least. Jordan, oh, Jordan ain't win anything before Scotty. Yeah, but he de definitely made it competitive. Gave you 60, even when he lost. 
So again, zero points in the fourth. A loss when they had an 18, 12 point victory. I mean, lead. But like, when are we going to realize that we have to hold him to this standard of being the best if we're going to give it to him? Can't just keep giving excuses. Can't. Because we didn't give LeBron excuses. We didn't give Tim Duncan excuses. We didn't give Jordan excuses. Even, even though Jordan is so overly loved, he still has those who will call him out. Just like how Kobe has those who calls him out. I am one of them. No one wants to seem to call out Kevin Durant, even though he's one of the worst go-ahead shooters in the playoffs. And he's supposed to be the greatest scorer this game has ever seen. And on top of that, he's missed his last, I believe, four, I believe four or five game time or game winning shot attempts in the playoffs. At what point are we going to hold this guy to this standard? If we're going to give him the title, he has to be held to the standard. LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, Carmelo, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kareem Abdul, whoever you want to mention, were all held to that standard. When they was deemed as this, this guy right here is the best player in the league. They were all held to that standard. When is he going to be held to it? That's all I want to know. Now, with that all being said, I want to get off into. Well, did I? Let me see. Did I speak on all of the NBA playoff matchups? Oh, I didn't speak on the, the, the Suns won. They swept the Nuggets. And uh, you know what? This is something I, I do want to speak on. Because to me, this is an absolute joke and it's an absolute travesty. And I'm, I'm glad I remember this. The NBA, I'm not sure if I spoke on this in my last episode or not. I may have. But the NBA refs are the worst officiating crew in any major league sport. I'm going to say that again for those in the back. The NBA refs are the worst officiating crew in any major league sport. I've said this once on this podcast and I say it again. They need to start holding these officials accountable. Whether it's fines or suspensions from certain games without pay, they need to because it is horrible. There should be no reason why Nikola Jokic is given a flagrant two foul and ejected from a pivotal game four. No reason at all. No reason at all. It, for, well, now, was it a flagrant? Yes. I believe it should have been a flagrant one. He ultimately hit Cameron Payne. You know, it was a bit excessive with his wind-up when he tried to knock the ball from him. Yes, it was. But a flagrant two and automatic ejection in a game four of a series that's do or die for, that is horrible. The Suns, congratulations to them. They make it back to the Western Conference Finals, I believe, in over a decade, 11 years specifically, I believe. So congratulations to them. But that man, that is that is horrible officiating, man. And I've, I've been saying it for years. The NBA has literally the very worst officiating crew ever. I'm talking about ever. The officials in the NBA are absolutely terrible. 
and they need to be checked. I don't know by who, I don't know when, I don't know how. I gave suggestions. Deduct pay, take pay, fine them, whatever the case may be, suspend them. I don't know. Do something. It is terrible. And it, it, I'm tired of the excuses that people give the rest. Say, oh, you know, it's a hard job. You know, you're not perfect. Mistakes going to happen. Yes, we know this. But when they're that glaring bad and it's that obvious, something needs to be done. You just don't continuously let a child mess up when they mess up. No, eventually you step in like, hey, you're doing this wrong or this is why this isn't working. At some point, you have to hold them accountable. And they're not doing that right now. Now, with that being said, I feel I, this is how I feel exactly about the NBA officials. Like I already said, I think they're absolutely terrible. But does that mean it can't be fixed? Of course, that's not what it means. They need to hold more, whether it's um, classes or trainings. I don't know how they go about it. They need something. They need to make it better. Now, with all that being said, guys, I'm going to jump into the NFL news. And some NFL news I want to speak on. First and foremost, there was some leaks that came out about, you know, of course, the Matt and Teaser, the trailer that had the two goats come out of the farmhouse. One was a baby goat and the other one was an adult goat. Well, like how many believed, those are representations of Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, which people are seeing that will be another two-man cover of Madden, which I think is a terrific idea because the last one we had was with Larry Fitzgerald and Troy Palomalo. I thought that was the best cover ever. It was the only one with a two-man cover. And now they look like they'll be bringing it back, which I think is a beautiful thing. So, but all that being said, I think they should bring it back. I, I can't wait to see the designs they're going to have out, and I can't wait to see the game itself. I will be getting it myself on PlayStation 5. <laughs> now, with that being said... Another serious news in the in the NFL. I want to speak briefly about this Xavier Howard rumors with the Dolphins. As you all know, I am a Dolphin fan, so I did a little bit of digging into this. And from what I discovered, that this is an, a very real thing, that Xavier Howard is frustrated with his current contract and he would like a new he would like more conversation. He feels as if that he's the best defensive player on the team, let alone DB or corner. He feels as if he's the best defensive player on the team, which he is. And he should be compensated as such, which he should be. And I'm all for paying him. And I'll be the first to tell you guys now, if he's traded and the Dolphins do not pay him, I'm done. I'm not done with the team. I'm done with having hope that this team is moving in the right direction because that will literally debunk us. I know a lot of people want to sit here and say, oh, you know, you drafted young talent. You signed some guys. Listen to me, guys. This team has a window right now. It's, it's, it's a pretty big window. I'll say about a two to four year window where they can be at a peak where they can legitimately compete for a championship, a Super Bowl. If you eliminate Xavier Howard from that, that window turns to nothing. He, you simply do not get rid of game-changing players in their prime. You don't do it, especially when they're essential to what you want to do. This is a blitzing man-to-man -man team. 
Brian Flores loves to blitz. He loves to lead corners on islands. Why not have one of the who a guy who literally graded out as the best coverage corner last year? Why not have that on your team? It just makes sense. Pay him. Simple. That's all you have to do. I don't want to hear about Noah Igbenogany, who was was an absolute joke last year. I think he can get better. I like his game. I like his skill set. He has to be better. Period. McCordy, too old. They've been working him out at safety. You know, um, who's the guy they signed from Houston? I forgot his name. Oh, my goodness. I can't recall his name right now, but I watched his film. He's an inside guy at best. He's not a, a border a borderline corner. Out of out of the box. Not out of the box. He's not an outside corner. Not him. They need X. Whether people want to admit that or not, they need him. He's essential to this defense. Essential. I'm talking about extremely important piece. Without X, this team, that little window I was talking about, it disappears. And this team isn't getting younger. We're one of the youngest in the league. But our key players are all in their primes. And your prime is three to four years. They need these players now so they can so they can just simply lock in and actually get the best out of what they can. They need to pay X. Need to. And another corner, ironically, another star corner on the market, or not on the market, but who's looking for a new contract because his frustrations as well with it is Stephon Gilmore. He's actually holding out from the New England Patriots mandatory camps and in hopes to get a new contract, which to me, again, just like with the Xavier Howard situation, is absolutely right by him. Get your money when you're worth it. This is the defensive player of the year. Bill Belichick just made it rain in free agency and failed to pay his best defensive player. Of course he's going to fill away. Get give him his money. I mean, I'm not saying make him the highest paid corner because I don't I don't believe Stephon Gilmore deserves that. I don't think he deserves to make more than Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard after the season he just had. He was hurt a lot and he got beat a lot more than you was prone to see him of being beat. But he definitely deserves an extension and a contract. Whether it's from you or not, he's going to get the money regardless. Now, with that being said, both guys, I feel as if should stay above their teams. I think their skill sets complements both teams extremely well. Now, can they do it at other places? Of course. But these guys, they develop relationships with these coaches, these staffs. They learn this scheme. They know they, they know how they fit in it. They know how it gels. I just think it makes sense on both sides to stay exactly where they are, to stay a course. Now, I think, I, now rumors has it is that the Dolphins have little to no interest to trade Xavier Howard at all. So I'm not worried about how I'm moving. But Stephon Gilmore, on the other hand, has been rumored to be on the market for some time. So we shall see how that plays out in the wing. Now, guys, that's it for the news for me today. I'm going to get into the fan Q&A, So let me go ahead and pull these questions up. Y'all give me one second. So the first question this is basketball related and it comes from Van Velsen is that when Dame is a Celtic, how many championships will we win? So he's a Celtic fan, guys. And I'm be honest with you. 
I'm gonna say zero because Dame Damian Lillard is not going to the Celtics. It's it's just that simple. They don't have anything to offer the Celtics. I mean, they don't have anything to offer the Blazers that they really are willing to move outside of Jason Tatum or I don't know Jalen Brown maybe. Why would they just sit here and trade for Kimball when they're already seeing what the, the a, a dynamic backcourt we're getting them and that's nothing. And Kimball Walker is, is light years under the player that Damian Lillard is, so they'll get much worse. I don't care how many draft picks you send. It's like what I said before, guys. You don't trade star players for picks. You don't, especially in the NBA. Because if you can go get you a title, go get it. You don't know what a first-round pick is going to be for you. You just are hoping for it to pan out. And the last time a first-round pick has panned out for the Blazers was Damian Lillard. And that's not really working out too well for them. Even though he's a great player, he hasn't been truly given a great situation. Now, so to answer the question, I say zero because I don't think he's going there. Now, with that being said, my next question comes from Clark Wayne. He says, who will win the NBA Finals? And he says, why the Suns in four? <laughs> uh, I think the winner of the NBA Finals I think it's going to be a tough one. I don't think the Suns go to I will say that. I think the Clippers still should be the favorite to come out the West. But I, I, if I had to pick my winner, I'm going to say the Bucks, man. I think, I think Milwaukee finds a way to figure out how to turn this season into a championship season. I think Giannis gets over that hump. And if he doesn't, I, to me, honestly, this is his best chance this year. I mean, a lot of Colin Coward said the Bucks have had so many breaks, man, that they need to push through this, man. I mean, think about it. LeBron leads the East. Kawhi leads the East. Kevin Durant, he's playing with a hurt team right now. The Sixers, Joel B is playing on one leg, essentially. I mean, this is, this is their conference to lose. The Bucks are fully healthy outside of Dante DiVincenzo, but you have a fully capable two other guards who have a very similar playing style to his and Pat Connaughton and um, I believe Brian Forbes. Two capable starters and two guys who can give you just as good as medicine he's gave you. You still got your big three. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis. Britt Lopez is one of the better rim protectors in our league and one of the best stretch bigs in the league. Got a good bench. I mean, P.J. Tucker, hard-nosed, type kind of player. I mean, this, this, is their, this is their conference to lose, guys. I mean, honestly, it's theirs to lose. If they do lose it, I mean, I don't see any other chance like this opening up for them. Now, our next question comes from Gino Peterson. It says, is it in the NBA's interest, best interest, to have a small market squad win? Now, I'm going to keep it completely honest with this question. Yes, it's in the NBA's best interest to have a small market team win. And that may be one reason why I'm rooting for the Bucks, because... Simply put, ratings in the NBA have been down the past several years because people know what 
what is coming. I mean, they know it's, oh, it's being, oh, you know, LeBron or, oh, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant to go to the, the Justice League Warriors. You know, now this is something different. And difference, a different, is good. This is good. The Raiders, as you can see, have been up this playoffs. These are t- people are excited and actually wondering who can go and actually win it all. So, yes, I think that would be a great thing for the NBA. Now, is this something that they prioritize, knowing that all the time? Because simply put, that's why you see guys like Paul George leave Indiana. That's why you see guys like Bud Yanovich not wanting to play for Milwaukee. Small market teams, that's aren't it for some people. My next question comes from Mark Kears. That was a great question, by the way, Gino, my man. Mark Kears asks, will Le'Veon Bell ever return to his all-pro form? Simply put, man, the answer is no. Too old. He got too much wear and tear now. He's not as nearly as close as he once was. His running style is actually hurting him more than it's benefiting him like I did once with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's because he doesn't have that same explosiveness to actually hit a hole as quick as he's with, you know, see it his patience is still a great thing but when he doesn't have the athleticism and explosion that go along with it anymore now he just seems slow and he's slower to the holes that are opening but with that being said i don't think he could get back to it his next question comes from non martinez would a miami Marlins ever win a championship well, they have, but they haven't won it as the Miami Marlins. It was the Florida Marlins. But I'm going to say no. I mean, even though I do NFL and NBA news on here, you still ask me a question, I'm going to answer it truthfully. I, I say no. The Marlins, as far as I know, I'm not too big on baseball, but as far as I know, as far as what I've seen, they are not that impressive. And that's all I can really say about that. At least not now. I don't see them winning one in the near future. And then his next question comes from Jesse Salvador. Not sure if you're answering NCAA questions, but I ask anyways. Who is the top QB prospect eligible for the 2022 NFL draft? NFL-related. Why is the media and everyone hating so hard on the Steelers counting them out of the playoffs being fourth-best QB in the North, etc.? Um... I'm not going to speak on the 2022 NFL draft prospect as quarterbacks because I want to save that for when I do evaluate them and I want to watch film on them a little bit more. I don't want to be that guy who makes a too early prediction. You know, the only time I do that is when it's like record predictions or something. I don't want to predict on people too early. But I will answer the, the Steelers comment. I think people are giving the Steelers flack because... They haven't lived up their expectations. I mean, this is the team that's I, what, what they started last year. I think ten and zero, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. They were they were undefeated for more than half of the season, and they failed. They're getting flat because everyone in the division seems that has gotten better this offseason, and they have basically been stagnant. I mean, the Browns are loading up, man, and they're loaded right now. On paper, they should be unstoppable. The Ravens are the Ravens. They went out and complimented their team with more pieces and actually got some receivers. Rashad Batten, I'm telling you guys now, keep on the lookout for him. That is a, a really good receiver who's underrated. 
rookie guy, but he's going to be fantastic. Sammy Walker should come in and be a good number two as well. And honestly, I think that's why the Steelers are getting the hate they're getting because, simply put, everyone in the division has improved in some way and they seem to just stay, you know, not, I want to say hell bent, but it seemed more like a complacent, they're more complacent with what they have. Like they settled almost. And it's not to say they have, but Ben Roethlisberger had him in the vice grip with his contract. He did negotiate it, but still, they didn't do much with the negotiated money as I as I seen. Only addition they really added that will make a difference is Najee Harris. But even that line still needed an improvement because Pouncey, the Pouncey brother did retire. I don't know. I just think the Steelers aren't turning in the right direction. I think that's why some people are giving them some flake. This next and final question. Oh, not final question. I'm sorry. This next question comes from Anthony Jenkins. If Gilmore gets traded, who do you see him getting traded to and for what? Now, there's what I think Stephon Gilmore can easily go for. I think he'd go for a first and a third. You know, he's it's a passing league. He's one of the best man-to-man coverage corners. He, you would definitely get a first out of Stephon Gilmore. I don't think you get a high first, but you get a, a late first, mid at the highest. The team I think that could make a move for him. Honestly, man, I think I think the Eagles can make a move. I, I mean, Darius Slay is up there in age now. He's not really the corner he once was. They don't have any other notable DBs. I think I think the Eagles can make a real move for him. I really do. If not the Eagles, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, mate. I wouldn't even say them. Maybe the Bears. I mean, get back you another dominant corner. You just. Just lost Kyle Fuller. Maybe the Bears. I mean, that's just that's just how I'm looking at it, guys. I mean, honestly, I think they can do it. But I think the Bears could definitely make that move. But I also think I think it's in the best interest of the Eagles to make that happen, man. They they desperately need a difference making their secondary. I mean, that's not even me being trying to be funny. They desperately need one. And he could definitely be that. I think the Eagles should definitely start to stop in on that. Good question though, Anthony, man. I like that question. And again, Eagles, definitely. That should be the, the team that goes after him. And now my last question will come via Instagram, guys. So let me go ahead and pull that up. Got to find the question first. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, hey, here we go. So, the question is from Demetrius Sims. He asks, Why do you have, who do you have winning the Jazz versus Clippers series and the Hawks versus the Sixers series? Now, first and foremost, I posted this on my Instagram, my predictions. I always post for every series. Now I will remind you all of my answers and my man Demetri here. I picked the Clippers to win against the Jazz, and I picked 
the Sixers again win against the Hawks. Now, why did I pick the Clippers? I simply believe without Mike Conley, they don't have another shot creator or playmaker outside of Devontae, not Devontae, Donovan Mitchell, that they would desperately need to beat this Clipper team, who is by far and large the more talented team. They don't have it. They just don't. And I think they need that, and they're missing it right now. That's why I have them beating them. And not to just mention the versatility they could throw at Donovan Mitchell on the defensive end with different size, length, quickness, aggressiveness, assertiveness. You just It's just hard, man. And the Sixers, I have them beating the Hawks because I, don't, I just think Joel Embiid should and could dominate this series single-handedly. Even though I think the Hawks can match their firepower on the offensive end, I think the Sixers are by far and large a better defensive team. And that's why I have them taking this. I think they could get critical stops when they need to. I think they can force the Hawks into bad shots and turnovers, which they have done and did do in this previous game that they played. They just failed to make shots. As long as they can make shots, I think they should be able to beat the Hawks in any given night. Now, guys, thank you all for tuning in to the show once again, though. That is all for me today. Y'all, please be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. Remember, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio In, Radio Public, TuneIn, things of that nature. I'm everywhere you can hear podcasts at. Now, thank you all again, once again, and I'll see y'all in the next one.